It happened to 10% of the uh, study cases. And is this because it's a vascular disease? I think so. I didn't fully, I mostly just read that article and went, aha, good. It's not just me. Stories from the pandemic. Hello and welcome to another episode. My name's Tony Wilson and the show's called COVID Roulette because there does seem to be something a bit roulette-y about it. So random, some people affected so badly by the virus, some people barely affected at all. And in this show, we attempt to share some of those stories, create a bit of an oral history of what's been a remarkable time. And today, I'm heading to the house of a comedian who lives not far from me. His name's Danny McGinley. He became famous as the banner man for the Western Bulldogs football club. He was writing very funny, rhyming banners before games. He was also the comic voice on Game Day AFL over the last couple of years. And when he got COVID, he was a writer and behind-the-scenes guy at Working Dog. So let's go and meet Danny McGinley, and he might tell us a bit about some of the odd and perhaps unknown symptoms that COVID can produce. Hey, how are you? So COVID, your COVID experience, when did it start? November. Delta. None of this Omicron Johnny Come Lately business, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm not original, gangster. I got the sequel, uh, Delta. So November 2021, I work for Working Dog Productions, who are very militant about their COVID safety protocols. We got rat tests before anyone else. We were getting rat tests delivered to our house, and I woke up one morning, and I felt a bit of achy joints, uh, and I just thought, oh, you know, I'm almost 40. This is... This is the life. But I was still about to go to the gym and I went, oh, I'll do the rat test now. Shoved it up the nose, went and got ready for the gym, came back and the line was there. So I would just, and at the time, it was more annoyance that this rat test had failed. And so I remember ringing uh, the producer, the, the, the head honcho at um, Working Dog and saying, hey, uh, the rat test stuffed up. I'm really sorry. I've got to go get a PCR and she was like, yep, well, this is the protocols. You're doing the right thing. Thank you. And then but I remember at that stage, PCRs were usually, you'd, you'd get it uh, and the next morning you'd wake up and the text message was there usually or within an hour of you waking up. And I remember just waking, I isolated from the rest of the family, went into the, the, my bedroom and just woke up the next day. It wasn't there. And that was a bit annoying. The wife had to do the kids drop off and everything. And it still felt like a big annoyance more than anything of like, oh God, this is so inconvenient. Oh, can you believe they haven't got back to us? And then around about 3.30 p.m., got an email first before anything saying you are not negative. And that was, and I I didn't really know anyone who had COVID in Australia. I felt like, you know, this is, felt like a prank. You know, I had to ring the wife and go, come home. She was out picking up the kids and I said, come home now because I'm positive and you're, you've got to stay home for a week. And we, <clears throat> we were only just out of the big lockdown of 2021, like 10 days earlier. So suddenly we were having an extra bonus coda of lockdown, which um, was not welcome. 
Uh, back then it was two weeks of isolation. So it was, yeah, two weeks of the four of us just locked in. Uh, on the way home, the wife got everyone tested. Yeah, about, oh, it was another 24 hours alone in the bedroom. And then uh, I still remember my wife just walking in the door uh, and, <laughs> and saying, all right, you get out and parent because I'm positive too. <laughs> And we had a big sloppy kiss because we could. <laughs> That's a nice moment. And uh, so isolating in the bedroom, I saw you in there because I came and delivered you some. Thank you. Some DVDs or no PlayStation in, games. Some PlayStation yeah. games. Um, what was that like? What was the what was the what was the activities in there? Well, so I did. I think it was forty eight hours in total, just alone. What did I do? I remember specifically watching the Collingwood documentary from the inside out. I'm not a Collingwood fan. I downloaded an old computer game that I used to play at a friend's house in high school that was quite elaborate. So I would never play it unless I had a lot of time. I think it's called Starcraft. And so whenever I'd get bored of that, I would uh, you know, watch a, a sports doco for an hour and then go back to it. So a lot of screen time, ultimately. And did you, was there any part of you that was, you know, you weren't parenting? It was a bit of a break? <laughs> um, no, it's mostly guilt because you could hear all of the bedlam on the other side of the door. You could hear, you know, tantrums at bath time and stuff. And and what was the symptoms? What was the physical side of I this? really only had 36 hours of achy joints, so I thought. But then discovered uh, once everyone... My, my wife got it pretty bad. She got five weeks of not being able to breathe through her nose. She was bedridden for four days. My son was sick for 45 minutes. He seriously woke up with a fever, got him in uh, our bed. I went and slept in his bed and uh, panadoled him up. Uh, I think him and my wife watched a Pokemon in bed at four in the morning, a uh, Pokemon TV show or movie or something, and he fell asleep whilst that was on. Woke up, he was fine. Did test positive. Like, so we took him for a PCR the next day. You could do that. You could leave the house to test the kids. Uh, he, you know, he tested positive. By that time, he'd fully recovered and was running laps of the couch, screaming, "I'm a Pokemon!" So he was fine. My daughter never got it, and she was not socially distancing. Um, but my symptoms were 36 hours of achy joints and two months of erectile dysfunction. <laughs> I actually haven't heard that that one at all. What's yeah, the- it. So I was uh, premature. I was going early, almost comically early. Actually, that as I said, we'd had a big sloppy kiss uh, when we were that, and then. Uh, you know, she was like, "All right, we're in bed together. We're both sick." So we attempted to make love, and I went ridiculously early. But we just thought, "Oh well, you know, we're both tired and emotional, and everything doesn't matter." But then, yeah, even after recovery, I was going early, and so I went to talk to the doctor about it because you know there was definitely a moment where it started happening, and I said to the doctor, "I think I'm premature ejaculating due to um, COVID." And he went, "Well, I've never heard that before." And uh, but he gave he gave me a prescription for pills and they they sort of worked and then uh, it was literally two weeks ago I was reading in the New York Times scientists have discovered that coronavirus can get into the male genitals and affect it happens to one in ten men apparently well it happened to ten percent of the uh, study cases and is this because it's a vascular yeah, disease I think so I didn't fully I mostly just read that article and went aha. <laughs> Good. It's not just me. But I reckon it would have happened to many guys who uh, just didn't want to talk about it or maybe didn't get an opportunity to test it. Yeah. Probably oversharing, but uh, my wife and I always say that uh, shagging is the main thing we have in common. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's not into footy. 
Well, it, it really is the first. That's one to put to our expert because sure. to find out what the what the rationale for it is. And so then maybe you talk about um, last year's lethargy. Yeah, she was. She couldn't. My wife couldn't breathe through her nose for five weeks. Uh, was bedridden for four days and just yeah was exhausted. I remember you kept a blog going because you know you're you're a comedian and you're good at, at communicating. I think and and you did talk about COVID kicking again. Yeah, I, I kept a little. Uh, I was just posting my thoughts and feelings every day because I was one of the first people to get it. I guess uh, in the in the well, I don't want to say public f- figure, but you know a lot of people were following my my daily updates of what was going on. And yeah, day seven. Uh, a little of <laughs> the caption I've got here is well, well, well. Look which little virus got a second wind. Uh, yesterday, about three p.m., I got a severe hit of fatigue and felt like I was jet lagged for the rest of the day. And yeah, actually, that is that was one of the symptoms I had. Uh, I remember early on, I kept get you know when you're so jet lagged, like you just can't even function. I remember flying in from London one you know years ago and. Fell asleep on the couch. I was. I went and uh, my parents picked me up. Uh, you know, I, I was chatting to them, and then I fell asleep on the couch after about an hour after landing. And my mum woke me up, and I could. And I remember thinking, "Why is this old woman talking to me? Who is this old woman?" <laughs> I couldn't recognize my own mother. I was so jet lagged. And early on in the COVID, I kept getting severe hits of jet lag. What I called it, that would only last forty five seconds. I would suddenly go, "Whoa! I am really." I got to go to bed and I'd get up and walk towards my bed and halfway down the corridor I'd go, oh no, I'm fine. And turn around and go back to whatever I was doing. But yes, that one day I did get a severe hit of fatigue and uh, that actually was well-timed because I got a, a phone call from Beck Goddard, the Hawthorne AFLW coach who I know through footy media and she gave me a coach pep talk because she'd <laughs> had COVID uh, about a month earlier. She got it worse than me. She lost her sense of taste and everything and she was just saying, ah, no, you can beat this. Good on you. you. You can do it. And then she sent me a video, which was hilarious, of her just eating a lemon like an apple and she couldn't taste it. Because she lost her sense of taste that badly, <laughs> so it was good. All those little things uh, helped out, but yeah, I mean, I've I've got here. Uh, one of the things I wrote that day is, uh, "God, I would have hated to take on this virus while unvaxed." It's the difference between fighting it with a stick and fighting it with a lightsaber. Is anyone who's not vaxed at this point? <laughs> Just the confidence. I met my first anti-vaxer at the who had a fake passport came to the comics lounge a few weeks ago. And uh, she just, it, she, it was sort of just revealed in the conversation that she was anti-vax and, you know, oh, it's a personal choice. And I, I got so angry. I, I didn't yell at her, but I, I excused myself from the conversation because it's not a personal choice. Well, your personal choice affects the community because the, that's the way viruses work. You're going to give it more of a chance to spread around. Is there another one that you've got? What was great is all the gifts that people gave, like, you know, people like yourself dropping around PlayStation games that we could use. Uh, you know, people drop around food. Uh, I will give a shout out to a comedian called Bart Freebarn, who's a, uh, a very funny guy, who dropped around, he's, who texted me saying, I've dropped around a care package, and in it was just a travel magazine <laughs> called Escape <laughs> about how you couldn't leave your house. <laughs> Professionally, how what is um, lockdowns and COVID and has it had a big impact on absolutely? You? Yeah, I lost my lost my TV gig, lost my uh, uh, radio shows, uh, lost all my stand up, cancelled seasons. I've you know it's not a competition, but I've been hit 
one of the hardest. Uh, however, I'm you know pro lockdown. I'm, you know, I'd much rather lose work than lose a loved one. And you know, JobKeeper helped out. It was hard, but you know, it was necessary. Well, I love my chat with Danny, and I thought he raised some really interesting medical questions that I wanted to ask to a GP. And I lived across the road from a Dr. Ed Polines in North Fitzroy, and he is a GP at the Living Room, which is a GP drop-in centre for people living on the streets, for homeless people. And he now lives in Geelong and works with the Wutherong Community Health. So he's well-equipped to answer GP questions, and so I gave him a call. Oh, hello, Tony Wilson. Hello, Dr. Ed. So, Ed, tell us what it's been like being a GP in a pandemic. It's been completely different, I reckon. It's just, you know, put us back on our haunches and made us reinvent things. You know, if we think back to the start of the pandemic when we were, you know, making makeshift gowns and I was wearing a, you know, a visor made out of perspex tied on my head with an old headband from Run Geelong in, you know, 2014 or whatever that we really have become adapted. We really have had to listen to advice from all quarters and keep up with things. It's been a fascinating process. And did you feel like you were at risk in those early days? Did it feel like, oh, goodness me, this actually could get us, the health workers? I think all of us in you know, the medical world have colleagues overseas who have you know, died from COVID. And it's been, it was absolutely threatening to start with every day. You know, I reckon I turned up to work and put on all my PPE with a fear that, you know, this might be the day when I caught it. And for lots of those days when I had seen people who had, you know, terrible cough and cold symptoms, going home, showering in the garage and making that decision of whether to, you know, not see the kids and my family that night for the fear of spreading it to them as well if I'd caught it. So, Ed, in this episode, we chatted to Danny McGinley. And he told us in an amusing way of one of his symptoms. And he said that he had some, well, he called it going off early, going off real early um, in terms of the bedroom. Is, is that one you've heard of, Ed? I actually saw Danny's show recently. Like all you know, sexual problems that people have, I take it quite seriously. But it did remind me of the great example and of marsupials in Australia. I'm not an expert on marsupials in Australia, but I know there are various, you know, kangaroos, wallabies that can put their reproduction on hold if they're under stress or if there's a bushfire or if there's a pandemic going on. I mean, I think one thing that COVID has set us back in the scientific world is, or especially in general practice, is we need to think more, more broadly. And that when great stressors come along, the adaptive ability to change your sexual function is, you know, something that I find fascinating. So you think Danny's body has gone pandemic on where this isn't one of our activities. We do not want new children at this moment. Well, while he's recovering from having coronavirus, maybe Danny's body is saying, look, this isn't the greatest thing for my family or my situation at the moment. Let's turn things off for a bit. I don't know. You know, we've seen quite a bit in people who had COVID, but also lots of people who are just, you know, under the stress of lockdowns and have other things going on in their lives. From a medical point of view, we're not 
there's there's a bit of evidence and there's certainly quite a few case um case series but we're not really sure whether it's an androgen thing or a hormonal thing that COVID's affected whether it's a neurological or nerve thing that's that you know that's interacting with COVID. but we're certainly sure that whatever it is it's probably multifactorial you know like most of us our sexual function is not the greatest when you're under stress and whether that's the stress of having an illness whether that's the stress of anxiety or what's going on in your world or whether you're just recovering from what's a shocking illness. So we've heard of everything from headaches to sore throats, nausea, fever, uh, diarrhea, and then some really odd ones like eczema. We've got one of our interviewees has talked about getting a sudden bout of eczema that she'd never had before. What sort of a disease is this? Why is it so various? Is it vascular? Is it respiratory? Well, when you're talking about a virus that gets in your blood, it can affect every you know organ and system there is. What we do know is it's it does really like the respiratory system, so that cough, cold, flu-like symptoms. But then the headaches and other things are just a more general thing. And if you've got some underlying illness at the same time, like a an autoimmune disease, a thyroid disease, whether it's some people who have some immune intolerance or some food intolerance, we've seen those get worse, people who've had COVID. Same, we've seen people with skin things like eczema or psoriasis get worse. It's more about you know, the whole stress that it can put your body under. And what about smell? Some people mentioned smell as well. And someone said to me, oh, that means it's getting into the brain. That's a worry. Is, is there anything in that or is that old man's tales? <laughs> the smell nerves are really are an extension of your brain. But and we do find that in, you know, for certain people, the coronavirus likes to affect you know, likes to affect their sense of smell. It doesn't necessarily mean it's more serious. And we don't know, it's not that, oh my goodness, it's going to the brain type thing. It's another recognised symptom. It's like, like lots of illnesses, coronavirus will affect different people in different ways. It really is a multifactorial illness. And that's why it's been really hard dealing with patients with COVID and making sure that we really are addressing the symptoms that are affecting them the most. And we kept hearing about COVID kicking again, as they say. Danny talked about that, that he felt like he was on the way up and then COVID kicks again. Is there anything about this particular virus kicking again or is that just an individual situation? From my point of view as a GP, I treat every patient I see on what they're experiencing. But I'd say, yeah, I've found a lot of people have found that they feel a bit better and for whatever reason, maybe because, you know, their reserves are down, that anything else that tips them over just puts them back into their symptoms coming back or that kick again. And what about vaccination? What What is happening with the vaccine? I've got a friend who said to me, oh, it's not even stopping Anthony Albanese getting it, you know. He's triple vaccinated. He's got the disease. Are vaccines meant to stop us getting a disease? Or in this case, is it about the seriousness with which we experience COVID? A bit of both, Tony. I mean... When Tony gets vaccinated, what we are hoping is that when his body sees the disease, his immune system's primed to either say, this isn't going to affect me at all. And so therefore you don't get the illness at all because your body sees, you know, the virus coming and says, shut it down. I've got ways to make sure this virus doesn't even get in and affect my cells. Or if you do, that it can mop it up reasonably quickly. And so it's a both thing. And so therefore, with the, you know, the Tonys that are even preventing getting the illness, we hope that brings down the amount of virus in the community. And for the Tonys that aren't getting as sick, there's less of a strain on the health system. 
but that Tony's staying at home and making sure he's not giving it to other people. And, and you are seeing in other parts of the world, Hong Kong comes to mind, that if the percentages are low, this is still a, a real killer. Yeah. In other parts of the world, we're seeing higher numbers of people with quite severe illness where they haven't been vaccinated. And have you had it, Ed? I have, Tony. I yeah, had the um, misfortune of missing out on New Year's this year because I was isolating at home with coronavirus in our garage, trying not to give it to the rest of the family. And how bad would you have rated yours? A bad bout or reasonably manageable? I think, you know, having dealt with people who had it much worse than me, I was very lucky. Um, But I wouldn't have wished what I had on anyone else either. One of the other things I was going to say, one of the positives I think of, you know, what's been an awful pandemic is that so many patients have, when I've been strapped up in five layers of PPE behind a mask, goggles, glasses, a great big perspex thing hanging down in my head, that patients have always been big on asking me if I'm okay and if I'm going okay, and I've been so thankful for that. Well, we're very grateful for everything that the, that the medical community have offered. It's been you know, a Herculean effort, and I feel like we've done well. Yeah. Thanks, Tony. Always good to chat. Thanks, Ed. Thanks for joining us again. COVID Roulette is an Elfington Community Centre project. It has been funded through the Victorian Government's Local Community Access Grants Program. It's conceived and produced by myself and Leanne Coughlin of the Elfington Community Centre. Original music by David Brady and artwork from Lee Arkapor. A big thank you to Danny McGinley. He's a great comedian. You can see him at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival and you can also find his stuff online. does a lot of AFL sketches, a lot of very funny Instagram videos. Check him out, Danny McGinley. Thanks for joining us for another episode. And remember, when the ball's dancing in the roulette wheel of COVID, the square you want your money on is vaccinated.